0: Magyanathimidan the Sia Ginam Janashalaka Chag shouldn't militam ye, Kasmishri, good away. Nam Shriestam Manoma, Pisachiputram, Rupam Rupam, the Sia Grajamuru, put radha kundam gidibaram maho radhika madhavasam prapto yashya gripaya shri guram tam natasmi vanchakalpa tarubyashya gripasindu vyaiva ca patita nam pavanebhyo vaisna vebhyo namo namaham nikhila sruti Nirajita padapankajanta Aji muktakuledu paschamanam paditashtam harinam samsriyami Anare pitachedim tirat kadunaya vaterana kalaham Shamar paitamanatodhbadara samsavakti sriyam Hari purata sundara diutikadamba Sadahridaye kandare spuratova satinandana Ajan alambita budjo kanaka bodatu sankirtanai kapitaro kamalaya tuxu Bishwamburu diaburo jugadharmapalo Mandi karuna botaru Ladini shakti sarupaye go rangasu Hakta Shakti Pradhana Egadadhadhanamastu He Krishna Kaduna Sindhadina Gondho Jagatpati Gupis Gupika Kantaradha Kantanamastu Radhi Brindavanadi Shri Kaduna Mritavahini Kripaya Nijapadabja Dasyan Mahim bhaktya mihina apadha lakshya ekshittha kamadith Kripa kripaamaitvam sharanam prapanam brinde namaste charana randam brinde sri charana randam shri srinandan go pal ki jai shri prabhu ki so, pranam to all of you, good afternoon, and thank you so much for coming here, for your presence, and thank you so much, Prem Prabhu, family, for the invitation here. It's my good fortune to be in your Company, and I hope <clears throat> together we can continue to this an ending ocean of Harikata, basically. And that's that's the challenge we have every time we sit for a meeting like this. Now we are being confronted with the invitation to say something about the unlimited. <laughs> now, Udav calls this in the Bhagavatam Ananta Kata. Kim Brahma Janmavin Ananta Rasasya. So anantakatam is an, an an ending, endless stop. Conversations about the unlimited. So we we are fortunate enough if we can just touch one single point of this infinite line of what we can say about it, which is never enough. But we can also we cannot remain without saying anything, although whatever we may say is just <laughs> insignificant by comparison to the infinite. But that's our desperate attempt, so to say. Srila Rupa Goswami will beautifully pray, Tunditanda vinida, etc. No. Krishna, I don't like to ask you for anything, but if I can ask for something, <laughs> please give me a few more tongues and a few more ears because with one tongue I cannot fully do justice to the nectar of I, these two syllables, Krishna or Harikata, no? I try to say something, I try to honor the name. One tongue is an injustice from the creator. Two years. At least I have one more year than one. I don't have two tongues. I have one. At least I have two years, but still it's too little. Somehow it's a very that's a very beautiful, healthy symptom when we feel we are being overwhelmed by the nature of, of what we are addressing. <clears throat> So as Prem Vilas Prabhu mentioned today, uh, the idea, I've recently r- written a book called Radical Personalism. So it was for me an interesting process because it was not the book I was planning to write. <laughs> so it was a book, I was being written, so to say more than write the writer, I was the written one through the through the circumstances of life. <laughs> and the book came as a, result of being written by life if you want to put it like that so that was very interesting uh, so yeah for me th- this book is about increasing my participation in my tradition how to increase my the loyalty to my ideal and one of the many ways uh, not everyone maybe but as at least some in my case i've been called personally too. okay, how can I become more a Gaudiya Vaishnavist? okay, I, I can, I will give me permission to point to certain things that I think we need to refine, you know, in the current state of our tradition. Of course, the essence of the tradition doesn't need to be refined, but the way sometimes we conceive, understand, and share some of the things may be okay, but can be even more Okay. <laughs> Now, that's the nature of the tradition. Everything can should be always unfolded, developed, expanded. Mm-hmm. The very nature of the absolute is expansion. Mm-hmm. One of the classical terms for the absolute in the in the Shastras is Brahman. Mm-hmm. Brahman means the absolute. Doesn't necessarily mean impersonal, doesn't mean the absolute. And the root, the dhatu, the Sanskrit root for Brahman is Brim. It comes from brimhati, which means to expand. So it's interesting. The very root of the word God is to expand. So he's always expanding. And if our tradition is supposed to represent God, the dynamics of the tradition have to be always expanding also. And we have to remain vibrant and dynamic in the way we understand who Krishna is. And Krishna is not always the same person. evolving he's now a yopano he's always new always fresh always young it's yes. <laughs> always expanding so we have to keep the pace of, <laughs> of the absolute and that's what i mentioned in my book now our challenge is to keep the pace of transcendence transcendence is always unfolding and evolving so we have to enter into that same rhythm to fall keep the pace of transcendence mm-hmm. Like I always mention in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Daskevrashko's Krishna mentions, at every moment, Krishna is becoming more beautiful. Try to imagine that. Don't try to imagine. It's beyond your imagination. <laughs> at every nanosecond, Krishna is becoming more, all. he's all attractive, but the all attractive becomes more attractive. So Krishna means all attractive. So it means, see, if at every moment, Krishna becomes more all attractive. At every moment, Krishna becomes more Krishna. Because Krishna means all attractive. Krishna is Krishnaizing himself at every <laughs> second. <laughs> so, so Krishna das Kaviraj Swami so said, Krishna is becoming more Krishna. And the gopis, when they see the increased beauty in Krishna, they increase their love for him. So Krishna's beauty increases, the devotees' love increases. And the devotees' love make Krishna more beautiful. So Krishna's beauty increases again. And that beauty makes the devotion of the devotees increase, and I can be saying the same thing for the next lifetime, and it continues increasing. And Krishna daska Vraska Goswami says, and they enter into a competition. Krishna, his devotees, this mutual increment, enter into a competition in which none of them accept defeat. <laughs> so this perpetually taking place. That's what's going on in transcendence. You know, this continues continual unfolding and evolution. So again, we are here as representatives. Somehow or other, we are part of the lineage. We have the duty and the responsibility to embody the essence of our tradition as much as we can. And if the tradition is so dynamic, so ever-evolving, we have to also develop that same type of mood to properly embody it. So... Basically that's the spirit behind the book I've written, trying to in my own way, uh, in, in my own way, of course, based on Shastra and based on tradition, I'm not creating my own philosophy, but it, in my own words, trying to find a language so I can continue relating to Gaudya Vaishnava as a relevant tradition. We don't want people to feel oh, this is an irrelevant cult from the past, only for Indians or only whatever, applicable in this time and this age. It does not addressing my particular situation because that's not what Krishna consciousness is. It's the most encompassing, deep, profound process. But we need to understand how it is so <laughs> and be able to share that. So, so that has been my small attempt. And that's part of a larger conversation, of course. It's not that my book is the final word on anything. It's just my own attempt of making sense. How can I continue growing as a devotee in the most honest and realistic way. So today I want to share <clears throat> maybe one main point of many points because the book is about many things. It's not just okay, this is about one single thing. Um so I like to touch upon the I, I thought about talking today about tangible divinity. This idea came to my mind. Let's title today's lectures tangible divinity God as a living presence. So a few words that I mentioned in my book in this connection on tangible divinity, how we can make God, Krishna, tangible. How, uh, how to relate, as simple as it sounds, it may sound basic, but how much do we relate to Krishna as a person? Or how much he is a concept? Because God, we can just keep God as a concept, a theological concept way above on the sky, somehow there above the clouds, an idea, a concept. But actually Krishna is a person, not only a person, of course, is the supreme person. Or in Srila Prabhupada's words, the supreme personality of Godhead. That's pretty personal. No? That's radically personal. <laughs> supreme personality of Godhead. So <clears throat> so my my own research and in my own internal prayer and practice, I felt that need. Okay, I want to relate to Krishna as a person and I want to... How much do I have an experience of Krishna as a living person versus a concept? And I'm not asking here for public confession and you have to reveal your mind in front of the camera or anything, but I think it's a healthy exercise as part of our sadhana that we ask ourselves, where's my relationship with Krishna today as a living thing? As a living presence, as I'm saying, how tangible Krishna is as a person or is just a concept. How can I make the concept real, so to say? It may begin with the concept. Okay, this is Krishna, this is the information we have, the Shastra saying this, 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 but that's not the same as the experience of the living person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And also the importance of being able to perceive the divine Krishna As here and now, basically. Many times we may think of God as a distant person in the future time. Instead of thinking he's here and now. The most close and immediate person, the most intimate connection I can have is with him. And immediately, right now, right here. Mm -hmm. Again, other things may happen unconsciously, but many times I've seen, I've talked with a few devotees... And many times we realize, wow, I'm conceiving Krishna somewhere else. And and I'm not experiencing him right now. I'm conceiving him as someone to be attained in the future instead of someone to relate to immediately. (laughs) So that really affects our sadhana, our practice. If we conceive of God as a concept, far away, future tense, You can imagine what's the result of your practice as opposite to a real living person, the most close and intimate right now, right here. Try to play out the implications of these two sambandhas, so to say, these two ways of relating. Mm -hmm. So, of course, as you may imagine, my idea today is trying to share a few points for us to be able to perceive Krishna's presence in the immediacy not as someone future not as something that will come happen at some point far away i have to get to somewhere so finally krishna is there waiting for me but it's not here and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. Uh, and that has to do a lot that i with the point of learning to be in the present moment as well the shastra that's connected somehow with satwa gun Tamagun has to do with too much nostalgia for the past, a toxic nostalgia, going back or lamenting for the past or uh, over-glorifying the past as an, ev- as an evasive device not to deal with the present. <clears throat> no. The past was so glorious and this was so beautiful and this happened and now in the present everything is collapsing but the past was so beautiful and glorious. <laughs> But the past is telling you, do something about me now, no? Or the future, we sometimes may go to the future, how things should be and have to be. That's more connected with Rajas. Mm -hmm. Past, Tamas, future, Rajas, Sattva, present moment, which is not so easy. I think you you can make your exercise. Just sit for a moment and try to be in the present moment and don't let your mind to go to the past, to the future. Hopefully, you can do that for a few seconds. <laughs> no? It's so quickly how the mind goes chopping, so to say. Shoot, 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 shoot. I have to do this. I have to do this. I did that. I did this happen to me. He said that to me 25 years ago. <ix Belgian> <laughs> well. no? Sometimes it's wonderful how, which capacity we have to hang on to things and resolve issues that we can realize still are influencing us <clears throat> decades after. But the present is the only place where we can do something, when hap- something can happen. I can only experience Krishna in the present. He exists eternally in the present. He exists in the eternal present moment. So for that, we have to be in the present to connect to him. Like when we are chanting Japa, I don't know, you have to be in the present moment. Shakshitwa, the Bhagavatam will say. Shakshitwa, like witnesshood, if you want to put it like that. You have to remain in the present witnessing reality what's happening witnessing witnessing without judging that's another layer of complexity than the present moment gives just witness a situation without labeling anything without labeling people putting things in boxes just just to accept reality coming without filtering with judges judgments that's not so easy but that's sattva and again, Satwa is not the goal of our lives, of course. I'm not here promoting Satwas, Prayujan. <laughs> but most of our charis have recommended get to Satwa as an ideal, how do you say, it? where the planes leave from the airport? What's the name of that platform? Takeoff. No? So, an ideal takeoff. All of course, Bhakti is independent and can reach anyone in any condition. But as much as we can make some arrangements in our lives, to take proper advantage of bhakti satwa is generally recommended okay try to get to that platform of balance so to say being in the present of having your humanity in place no so that probably will help you a lot to to take better advantage so to say of the opportunity that you are being given so the present. I, I like. I make a play of words in my book. Like the best present we can give to ourselves is to be present in the present. You know? That's a present unto itself. <laughs> but we are not very generous with ourselves, so we don't give us that present very often. <laughs> so we should give ourselves that present. Learning to be present in the present, and of course, that means listening what's happening in that present moment, paying attention to what Krishna wants to tell us in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. So Krishna's presence is everywhere, he's all omnipresent, that's one of the qualities of God. And I'm starting with these ideas, which are more Aishvarya-like, you know, before we jump to the Madhuri, the intimacy of the lila, where Krishna has basically forgotten, if you will, that he's God, if you want to put it like that, as Vishwanath Chakartak will say, Mukdata. he's bewildered by the affection of the Vrajavasis, And and he lost sight of, I'm Ishvara, I'm the supreme control. But still he's God. It's not that he lost his post and he lost his omniscience. So he retains Sarvaknyata, his omniscience, his omnipresence. So he's everywhere, technically speaking. By definition, Krishna is everywhere. There are so many verses. I won't torture today with you with all all those quotes. You can read the book and you can be tortured by yourself already. (laughs) But there are so many verses in the Bhagavata and the Gita and throughout Shastra that show how Krishna's presence is all-pervading, he's everywhere. Like one famous example, when Krishna was accused of eating dirt by his friends, as you know, the lila, Krishna was playing with his friends and some of them denounced to the Yashoda department. He ate dirt. Krishna said, no, no, I didn't eat dirt. They are accusing me because they are envious of me because I always defeat them in wrestling. Mm-hmm. So they are accusing me unjustly. No, mm-hmm. And of course, that's also, that's not true either, because Sri said that's not true. You're always, we always defeat you in wrestling. You never defeat us. No. <laughs> but anyhow, that's another topic. So Yashoda asks Krishna, please open your mouth. Let's see how much earth there is. And she saw quite an amount of earth, a few planets, earth. Mm-hmm. So Krishna opened his mouth you're sure that so as you as we know the whole planet and Krishna inside that opening his mouth, mm-hmm. and inside that was no, again another planet. Inside that was Krishna. So in one sense, all these plants were inside of him. Well, when she looked outside of his mouth, he was inside this planet. So he was inside here, but here was inside him. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine just showed us bewilderment at that moment. But basically that Lila is showing he's in everything, everything is in him. That's what he says in the Bhagavad Gita as well. So so that point is Krishna is present everywhere at all times, at every moment. How much we perceive that, that's another story. (laughs) But in one sense, we we should say if he's already present, the question is how much present we are. To perceive his presence, I have to be present. And generally, we are not very present. We generally are very absent. They say absent-minded, they say in English. Like, like if I'm talking to you and, and I went like, and you will be like, hey, here. Oh, sorry. No. So Krishna is here. I'm trying to do like this at every moment. <laughs> but still, we have, again, great capacity to allow our minds to take us shopping into so many directions. No. Um, so it's important that we work on this idea of being present not just for the sake of being present but for the sake of meeting Krishna in the present moment where he tries to approach Mm. us. and one of the points that I highlight especially in the last chapter of my book is developing the appreciation, the eye, to meet Krishna in this world which I think is a point that we in our community in general, I'm not saying everyone or any particular group but sometimes in time there has been some i will say how to say world denying approach to go Vaishnavism uh, and excessive emphasis on asceticism and this is sannyasi telling you that <laughs> <laughs> no, so too much emphasis on renunciation too much emphasis on leaving the world too much emphasis on seeing the world as bad as ontologically an obstacle <laughs> well that's not what Shastra is teaching actually mm-hmm. so it's very important that we learn to see Krishna everywhere mm-hmm. not we, we, we should be careful like for example in the scripture it is say that the symptoms when they are, speak about three levels of devotion for of there are so many levels they're not only three But if we are to generalize, we will say Kanishta Madhyam, utam. Of course, inside those three, there are 33 million varieties, so to say. (laughs) But the symptom of the Kanishta is he or she perceives Krishna in the altar. So that is interesting. The symptom is how much you perceive the presence of God. That's the symptom that the scripture gives. According to that, you can be more or less advanced how much you perceive God in any moment, in the present moment. So the Kanisha will see God on the altar. So the, the curtains are closed, God disappeared, basically. And I can do other things and I can behave differently because he is no longer there. He's not watching, he's behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> I go to the temple, I follow all the protocol, I put the proper cloth, I cross that door, I'm somewhere else, bipolar, basically. <laughs> So Kanista, I mean, we have to begin somewhere. We are not condemning the Kanisha, but it's a very limited, hyper localized view. God is there, okay? We have to begin somewhere at least God is in one place no? in the altar or probably only in my altar. <laughs> That's Kanista Kanista. No? God is in my altar and the other altar, let's see. I don't I'm not so sure. No. So when you become a more advanced Kanishta, you will think, okay, he's in every altar. <laughs> the closer you get to a Madhyam stage, you will realize, oh, he's not only in, in the altar. He's also in other people. He's in the heart of other people, other devotees, other people. Mm. So the, the, the presence of God in the altar starts <clears throat> to get amplified, like universalized. Your altar, you start to realize... Oh, the altar is not only in the corner of my room. There are, the altar is bigger than the one I thought. So Madhyam is saying, okay, God's presence in other living entities. And Uttam are saying God's presence everywhere. Not even in living entities, but in every atom. Shastra is saying in every atom, Paramatma is there. Try to imagine if you perceive the presence of God in every atom. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what Prahlad Maharaj was seeing when, when when, as we say the other day, when Iranya Kashipu asked him, Where's God? And Prahlad said, Where is he not? He was watching in every direction and he couldn't not see the presence of God. Try to imagine. That's the degree of how much he perceives the presence of God. I'd like to share a few words from my book, if you allow me have the blessings of Prem Vilas, Prabhu? Yes, okay, thank you. Just asking for permission to begin with. This is in Okay. She can join us. Yes. <clears throat> so in this connection, I'm saying, <clears throat> she likes my back. You can see how she likes her. <laughs> that. we were associating each other. Once we over-localized God's action or presence in one place on one or one mission or one ritual, deity, or any isolated event, we can easily conclude that he's not in any other place. Or even worse, that he's not available everywhere and at all times. While Gaudiya Vaishnavas officially accept that the ultimate reality is both immanent and transcendent. Sometimes too much emphasis on the transcendental side makes us lose sight of the reality of God's presence in every heart and atom. And we may end up conceiving him as being somewhere upstairs in heaven or the spiritual realm. So anyhow, some thoughts in that connection that we sometimes may over-localize. God God is only in this altar. God is only coming from my guru. God is specially manifest In the mission I belong to or whatever any form of over localization of God when actually he's available everywhere and at all times Mm -hmm. and this world is not an exception to that rule that's my point this world is a Shakti of Agavan one of many and every Shakti is in the service of Shakti Mam, in the service of its energy energetic source so by properly addressing each one of these shaktis, they will point to their source. They will show who they are serving, basically. This is what Vishwanath Thakur mentions in one commentary to the Bhagavatam. He says the material energy, he will speak about that as Maya Devi or Maya Shakti personified. She is a Vaishnavi of the highest devotion. It's okay, okay. She's thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> so she's he says m-m-m- the material energy is a Vaishnavi with the highest devotion. So by properly approaching her, we will get closer to Krishna. So imagine if, if you say okay, material energy is a Vaishnavi with the highest devotion, and we say, This material world is horrible. No. You are committing Vaishnavi Aparat, we could basically <laughs> technically say, no. <laughs> By saying the world is bad, no? And and this is another problem that sometimes happens, and I've seen quite a lot, no, by, <clears throat> by thinking the world of matter is bad, we'll think whatever is connected to the world of matter is bad. The body is bad, emotions are bad, thoughts are bad, family life is bad, sexual life is bad, everything is bad. So you start to live your life. You can imagine how i mean you start you stop to live your life instead of you start to live your life everything is about avoiding the bath so you start to conceive your practice in negative terms what not to do what to avoid and we have our list of don'ts but that's not everything that like guy sometimes joke with devotees like sometimes I ask it so what what's your practice about no meat eating what else do you do no intoxication what else do you do? No gambling. And I'm I'm not asking what you don't do. I'm asking what you do. Uh, no. So it's delicate. But we make if we conceive everything we do in terms of what we don't do, everything end up being very negative. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta said that in one lecture in Radhakund he said, if your only conception of practice is artha what to get rid of instead of artha prabriti. Attaining the highest good, if only you think in terms of getting rid of, you may end up in Brahman. Because that's the neti-neti mentality. Not this, not this, not this, not this. But say yes to something, please. No. So, so sometimes this, this idea of material world is bad, and Krishna is not here, he's somewhere else, and all these type of things, end up for us, emotions are bad, relationships are bad. Griha starts from his inferior this, this is very ingrained I've met devotees who think that for me being a sannyasi I'm basically a superhero or, or, or something like that because I'm a sannyasi and they are necessarily inferior because they are not sannyasi but the, our goal is not to be a sannyasi I mean in Navadri Srivas Pandit is the main host of Mahaprabhu he's not sannyasi he's not sannyasi for eternity in Golok down there are no sannyasis. There are sannyasis, Durvasa coming to curse someone and then they leave. Everyone is in an anxiety because of the sannyasis coming. <laughs> Which happens here sometimes. No? Well, sannyasis coming, everyone gets nervous. No, we don't want him to be angry. Everything has to be okay. I'm nervous. What will happen? No, I hope the cat is not entering the room. What will happen if the sannyasis sees <laughs> it? The cat is drinking the water of the sannyasi. Oh my God. <laughs> Maras, don't curse my cat. Please don't curse my cat. <laughs> oh my God. Anyhow, besides joking, we, we, we have to be careful not to conceive our practice in terms of rejecting, but integrating. Accepting our goal is not mukti, our goal is not leaving this world, our goal is not transcending samsara. That's mukti. Krishna calls mukti kaitav dharma, cheating in the name of religion. Mm-hmm. Our goal is Prem. The attribute of Prem is I no longer care for mukti, I care for pleasing service to Bhagavan whenever, however it may be. Mamaj and Mani and is is Mahaprabhu, Bhavatad Bhakti. Birth after birth, no? Narayana A little torturing with Sanskrit, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Bhagavatam is saying this. He's saying if someone who is totally surrendered to Bhagavan, that person doesn't care going to the higher planets, lower planets, getting liberated, that person is no longer caring. Because Bhakti is a post-liberated stage. Follow. Moksha is liberation, bhakti is post-liberation. You care so little for liberation and you are immer- that, that even it seems that you are a conditioned soul. That's the situation of the Vrajavasis. The Vradyavasis are care so much, so little for liberation that they seem to be on the opposite spectrum. They seem ordinary beings if you just look at them superficially. They seem entangled in village life and house and family. But it's not that they are not liberated, they are post-liberated. They are so way beyond liberation that it seems that they are not liberated at all. You <laughs> follow When Krishna was asking them in the Bhagavatam, what they were asking Krishna, show us our next life. After Nanda Nandamarashtra returned from Varuna kidnapping him, they asked him, we want to see where we will be in our next life. Krishna gives them kind of a a portal, a vision. And basically, they see themselves doing the exact same thing they were doing there. They were started like, yeah, <laughs>
2: and
0: my point is, they don't care for anything else apart from what they already were doing. <laughs> so that's our tradition. In one sense we do not care for leaving this world. Why? Because also we have realized this world is actually not bad. To be human like we are here is not bad. Humanity is not an obstacle in our tradition we want to be fully human and fully divine that's what we call nara lila krishna dayatika kila sarvottama nara lila tara bapu tanhara swarup srishtane charitan mrta gopavesh binu karana vakishornat bar nara lila hoy anarup the highest lila of all is the nara lila where krishna is fully divine but fully human so if you don't have your humanity in place here How do you expect to enter a place where there is full humanity and full divinity? Mm -hmm. So my point is, again, we are trying to speak today about Krishna being tangible presence, living presence in my life, where to perceive, how to relate to him. Why not start where you are? Not thinking... I'm thrown in, throw in here in samsara I have no connection to krishna hopefully in some future life when i get over there above the clouds in golok vrindavan krishna will be waiting me and i will be able to I, and we are creating that that distance that abyss <laughs> i we think this is totally bad miserable and profane matter and, ugh, you know, but krishna is in every atom We already say Bhagavan is in every atom. Watch out for insulting Krishna's presence in every atom. Every atom is an embassy of the presence of God, oozing with divine presence, if we have the eyes to see. Again, the highest devotee is seeing where God is not. And of course, you can tell me, well, Maharaj, yes, but that's the vision of the highest devotee. I'm not the highest devotee. Okay? But nonetheless, the vision of the highest devotee should be our guide. Because that vision is showing us how reality looks like. How actual ultimate reality looks like. God is present everywhere. Mm -hmm. Although I'm not seeing that yet, I should make that vision my idea. I should pursue that vision. Even in theory, if I know that, I have to pursue that gradually. Mm -hmm. So, again, just to make it clear, family life is not bad. The body emotions is not bad because why? Because the world of matter is not bad. Mm. <clears throat> Material energies, again, an energy, a potency, a Shakti of Shakti man. And we don't want to commit Vaishnavi apparatus, I say. No? So, Vaishnavi engaged in the highest service to Him. Mm. Mm. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta once he said in a very nice letter, I quoted that, I don't recall in which page, but he says. Whatever we find in this world is potential paraphernalia to be offered in the service of Krishna. That's what, what we find in this world. Like a big arctic plate. And we have the arctic plate. We call what's there paraphernalia. The incense, the lamp, which represent this pancha, buta, no air, water, fire, ether. So he says all these five elements are actually what everything is made of in this world. So they, this plate represents everything. Mm-hmm. So Prabhupada Bhaktisanta mm-hmm. will say this whole world is like a big arctic plate. Mm-hmm. No air, water, fire, either. And all of that is to be mm-hmm. offered to Bhagavan. Everything is potential paraphernalia to be offered to Krishna. Mm-hmm. But of course it's up to us if we have the eyes to treat material energy as such. Mm-hmm. Again, matter is, material energy is already serving Bhagavan. Probably material energy is serving Bhagavan way better than how we are serving Bhagavan. (laughs) At least me. (laughs) I don't dare to think, oh, Maya Devi is, uh, Vishwanath Chakaratita Kursi, she's a devotee of the highest order. I'm not a devotee of the highest order. Maya Devi is my senior. (laughs) (laughs) I have my pronoun. (laughs) Hmm. So we should be able to, to relate to everything accordingly. You know? There is this beautiful verse from Narad Pancharatra, which is quoted in Bhakti Chaitanya Charitamrita, Nanya Mamata Avishnu, Prema Sangata Mamata. If you love God, you love everything that exists in relationship to Him. When you love someone, Prabhupada will, Sila Prabhupada will say, If you love me, you love my dog. You know? That was his way of saying it. You love everything in relation to the person you love. If you love Prem you have to love flower. That will be the immediate example here. <laughs> so if you love Krishna, as we will like, like yes, you will love whatever is in relation to him. And it happens that everything is in relation to him. <laughs> so you cannot not love anything because everything is in relation to him. That's how he makes that.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: so we have to be careful not to say Krishna I love you and then treat everything else in a different way That's not Krishna will say I don't believe you that much that I love you you tell me the other day you go to this intense verse in the third canto Kapila Dev is talking about Archana Mm. those are the verses I will say recommend to anyone who asks me give me some advice on Archana I won't go to the mudras and the rituals and the mantra. I will go to that section where he says, if you worship the deity, but then you mistreat other living entities, that worship is imitation. It's like pouring ghee on ashes, he says. If you worship Krishna, but make the least difference, he says, between different people, that worship is useless. Strong words. To make that point, No, like if we are actually trying to connect with the divine, that has to become reflected in everything else because everything else is in connection to him. <laughs> it's not that I love you, Krishna, and I mistreat the rest of the world. How can you? Like the famous saying says, how you do anything is how you do everything. <laughs> no. The way you do something is sh- is shedding light of how you do everything else, basically. Mm-hmm. So Krishna is making that very clear. He says, you know, both spirit and matter are in me. All these two energies are, are connected to him. We cannot just separate. So we 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 have we can find the presence of the divine here. So that's a way a good beginning point, let's say. Krishna says that in Bhagavad Gita, chapter nine, verse 19. And Prabhupada comments on that. I have here the commentary. He says, for Krishna there is no distinction between matter and spirit. Hmm. In the advanced stage of Krishna consciousness, one therefore makes no such distinctions. He sees only Krishna in everything. Hmm. So again, when you are advanced, you are no longer even thinking about material and spiritual. Srila hmm. Siddharmash will say that very beautifully also. He will say, uh, <laughs> he will say, material scientists doubt of the existence of the spirit and he says we doubt of the existence of matter like implying we see consciousness everywhere we start to wonder is there matter actually everything is krishna is behind everything as you advance the more you stop making those distinctions krishna is present everywhere so also like the Bhagavatam is mentioning, no? one thing that causes a disease, you can use it therapeutically, and that same thing can cure you. So in the same way, if we approach this world with a dysfunctional attitude, the way to heal that, that is by approaching this world with the proper attitude, mm-hmm. with a redeeming attitude, basically. Mm-hmm. As they say, you have the saying here, Beauty lies in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. So we can see the same here. Profanity lies in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. So we can see the world as profane. That's my eye. That's not the world. It's just my lens, how we choose to see, project everything. Atmaban manjati jagat. No? Whatever is in your inner world, you will be perceiving that in the outer world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my point here is instead of conceiving God out there, Why not conceiving him right here Mm. why not reorienting our practice Mm. instead of him to wait waiting for him to descend from the clouds or something like that why don't try to perceive his presence as a tangible again tangible divinity living presence Mm. so for me it's important that we redeem our connection with this world and with matter because it has a transcendental background for example, if you go to the Vedanta Sutra, mm-hmm. Vedanta Sutra says one my favorite sutras is Lokabatu Lila Kaivalyam, which basically means the background to this material universe is the lila of Bhagavan. is the celebration, the divine play of God, is the background of this world, which basically means, and this is unfolded in the commentary on that sutra, Valadevi devotion say. Shishirad and Krishna are experiencing so much joy and ecstasy together with all their associates that that bliss starts to fulfill them and to the point of overflowing them. And that overflowing becomes the material creation. That's an interesting idea, story for the material creation. So they connect all these material universes to the like a sprinkling. <laughs> Of the bliss happening in the spiritual world so they are directly tying one thing with the other so we don't see one thing isolated from the other or as an obstacle to the other or in competition to the other <laughs> and Bhagavan himself if that's not enough Krishna himself comes to this world repeatedly avatar that's what we call avatar avatar means crossing from up to down, coming to this world with all his retinue, retinue, do you pronounce? Yeah, with his associates to execute his lila. And, and what the Jiva Swami says in Krishna Sandarbha, for example, once Krishna finishes one his lila on one planet Earth, he continues that on another planet Earth. And then he continues. So in, in, in one sense, he's always on planet Earth executing his lila so how bad this planet earth how much how bad can be this planet if krishna is choosing to come here over and over again to execute His? there must be something good let's begin there at least no let's open ourselves if krishna is coming so many times here to perform his lila eternally we have to find we have to make peace with this world i will say we have to make peace with material energy to heal whatever needs to be healed inside of us so in this way i think this is a very important point to understand the universe is not against us there is not outside of us some enemy trying to make us fall because this type of myths sometimes get ingrained in us no? we, we start to see maya shakti some evil personality willing to see ourselves you no? suffering and she's serving bhagavan no? <laughs> But they are giving us the option to choose because, again, the goal of our lives is love and love is a voluntary action. Love has to be voluntary to be love. And for being voluntary, you have to have another option. You, follow. you, you cannot have only one option. I tell you, love is a voluntary decision. You say, okay, how many options do you have? No, you don't have any option, only love. So how much that is a voluntary decision? I, I have not a second one. So you have to have a second one, and the second one, well, can end up being quite problematic if we we know it, but that needs to be there, so love remains love, love remains a voluntary decision. Mm -hmm. But it's important, at least that we understand, this world is not against us, there's no conspiracy, so to say, universal conspiracy against us. Mm And not only the world is not bad, the world is so much so favorable that Krishna comes over and over again to perform his lila here hmm? and call us through that to redeem our own existence. hmm? So I want to make that point before just wrapping up and in case you have any comments or questions, but we are here in this particular situation as sadhakas, as practitioners, and our attainment of the spiritual world begins here or nowhere at all mm-hmm. it's not that i'm here i don't know what to do i'm rejecting everything but at the end of my life somehow i will be thrown into gulag Brindavan. it doesn't work like that no it's not automatic it's not forced no, it's not formulaic you know because sometimes i've heard boat this telling me oh Maharaj, if i chant my 16 rounds every day without failing at the end of this life i'm being transported to gulag Brindavan. and it's like do you think that Everything works like that, mathematical, like a number. Uh, and also the question is what's the quality of that? Sixteen rounds of what? Nama parat nama let's let's go into the details. <laughs> so my point is not so much. again, we have to 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 conceive our practice in a realistic way, not so much. I have my daily number. And Krishna is forced to take me to Goloka at the end of this. It's like a, contra- a forced contract. I do this number, you take me there. Even if I don't want to go there or something, <laughs> that's the point. You will only get there when you are desperate to be there. And when you are desperate to be there, in one sense, you are already there internally, you no, know, in your consciousness, in your inner. If you are not starting to be there here, how you think you will arrive there? you follow my point? It's not that I'm here and I'm completely somewhere else, but I leave my body and I go there. It doesn't work like that. You have to gradually reach there, participate there internally. We hear about these descriptions of the advanced devotees internally already having Darshan of Krishna, participating, serving internally, in lila, more and more and more and more and more, officially there. So our participation begins here and now. It's not like a sudden transference to heaven or something like that it's a gradual sense of belonging there it's a a gradual participation in in that internal eternal reality and and here and now is the necessary starting place for that it's not like not now not here i have to wait for being transferred to No, that will happen as as long as as much you do here and now with whatever you have even if you feel it, but my present situation is relatively ordinary. And begin with that. You know? Learn to discover God in the ordinary. That's a challenge. Because again, Krishna is everywhere, in every atom. So nothing is ordinary, actually. If you tell me I'm very ordinary, this situation is very... That in itself shows you have to change your angle of vision. You
1: know?
0: That's what one devotee once asked Sri Sidhar Maharaj. I always quote that. Maybe it's... the I quoted that 16,000 times already, and there, here I go one more time. When the devotee asked him, Gurudev, to Srila Siddhar can you please give me some seva, some service? But this devotee came to him, to Srila in a very naive way, thinking, okay, Gurudev will tell me to wash the pots, peel potatoes, clean the bathroom, like, to do some some stuff, do something. And as a reply to that, can you give me some service? And he said, change your angle of vision. That was a service. No. You have to be careful if you go to someone like Sri with a question like that. You don't know what he will tell you. He gave you service forever, basically. No. Give me a service. Change your angle of vision. That's a service. Change your angle. And, and that doesn't happen only once. Okay, I already changed my angle of vision. Okay, do it again. Do it again perpetually. No? Because the more you change your angle of vision, the more you realize, in one sense, I don't need to ask for service, technically speaking, because everything is a service opportunity. If I ask for service, it means I'm not seeing any service opportunity. <laughs> but when you change your angle of vision properly, you realize everything is a service opportunity. What you called problem before, now you are retranslating it. No longer use the word problem, now you're using the word service opportunity. Try to, to try it yourself. Every time you have, your mind says problem. No? So put it, put it through the new translator, service opportunity. Why I perceive that as a problem. Change your angle of vision. Of course, that's not so easy. It's easier to say problem and someone has to be faulted by that and I'm the victim and so on and so forth. But that's not the spirit we want to develop. So let me read one more excerpt here. And with this, we're basically concluding. So from page 364, in connection again to how we can appreciate how much God can become living presence the tangible divinity in the here and now this is the starting place for that says every corner is the potential birthplace of the kingdom of god everything there is is potentially accessible from where we are it's not about going anywhere but continuing to arrive perpetually if we put on an entirely different mind then heaven takes care of itself and in fact begins now. So it is nothing we have to believe in for later. So again, it's not so much I'm here and I have to reach some place, but you have to continue to arrive perpetually more and more and more. And to realize, wow, Krishna is intimately present everywhere. In one sense, we could say, and I mentioned that in my book, Krishna is so close that sometimes I lose sight of him. (laughs) We lose sight of Krishna many times, but not because he's so far, but because he's so close. <laughs> something is too close. I, I I may think like, oh, where it is? No, I cannot see it. If I put my 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 hand on my eye, it's so close to my eye, I cannot see my hand because it's so close. Oh, now I can't see it. No. Sometimes Krishna is so close, so intimate. And we like he disappeared. Why are you are so cruel to me? And Christian's like I am closer than ever now. <laughs> so it's important that we also understand how 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 close he actually is, so we do not miss and misread his proximity and think that he left us, and our faith is going down when it should be going up because he's close to us. So anyhow, a few words, a few thoughts that I want to share today in connection to to some sections of my book in relation to how we can try to uh, how we should try to perceive krishna as again a living presence a living person a living experience not far away above the clouds in a future time but right now right here that's the most intimate connection we can have and again not only through our chanting but through every single thing that happened throughout the day that that's the challenge to make our practice our lifestyle you no know? practice doesn't mean i chant my round that's my practice and what do you do the rest of your day sometimes i hear devotees speak you know this is my spiritual life this is my material life mm-hmm. why are you are creating that duality why are you are labeling one part of your life material life why don't think think everything is my part of my spiritual life mm-hmm. different aspects of bhakti Everything can be bhakti potentially. Mm. Jiva Goswami says there are some activities which are intrinsically bhakti. He calls them swarup siddha mm. bhakti, bhakti sandarbha over there. <laughs> which kirtan, all this is bhakti. Even if you don't know, it's bhakti. It's bhakti. Now, even if you are doing kirtan, you don't know what's going on here. You are receiving bhakti samskars, devotional impressions. Even engage unconsciously, that burns some fruit. Sarup the Bhakti. But there are other activities like taking a shower. That's not described in Rupa Goswami's 64 Angas of Bhakti as one. No? Take a shower, that's Bhakti. That will be Bhakti. Everyone will be already a pure devotee, basically. <laughs> Every single day taking shower. Anyhow, peeling potatoes is not Bhakti intrinsically. But he says, you can do all those things. As bhakti, in connection to bhakti. I can peel potatoes for Krishna. That's called sanga siddha bhakti. An activity that reaches perfection by association with bhakti. Peel potatoes is not bhakti, but in order to please Krishna, I offer some bhoga for it to be... Pre- then I peel... That's bhakti. So you can extend that same principle to every single thing you do from, from the time you wake up till you go to bed. Everything is potentially... Bhakti, that's the generosity of bhakti. So hopefully we can open ourselves to that generosity and embrace such an opportunity that has come to our lives. Bhakti Devi ki jai. <laughs> so I don't know if there are any if you have we have a few minutes. If someone has any question and uh, something you may like to to ask about, to share. If there are any questions, no nothing forced, of course. <laughs>
2: All right, I have some questions.
0: Oh, sorry, yeah.
2: So in the network instruction, it has been written, Mm -hmm. like uh, you should avoid uh, undesirable things, uh, which is not favorable for bhakti, Yeah. you should reject. Yeah. And then which is favorable, you have to accept and go with it. Mm -hmm. So you said everything has to be connected with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you...
0: I mean, I'm not saying that, that's said also in the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I also mentioned, as you mentioned, I also mentioned at one point, we also have our list of don'ts. No, Anukuliasan varjanam. Now, the beginning of Saranagat is accept what's favorable, rejects what's unfavorable. So but rejecting what's unfavorable can mean only, let's give an example. Now, or, or give me, give me, you give me an example. What could be something unfavorable that we should reject as bhaktas? Prajalpa. Prajalpa, which means gossip. Let's be literal. No? With mm-hmm. Mahaprabhu, say Swami also Gramya Kata, Nasanibika, gra, no, village talk. No. Oh, this is... So we should reject that. And I say we have to connect everything with Krishna. Of course, with this I'm not saying let's gossip for Krishna. Maharaj gave us blessings to do that. So we can gossip. <laughs> no? but we are connecting with You say Krishna every ten seconds and we somehow connect the gossip with Krishna. No, the way the way to connect everything with Krishna means gossip means disconnected talk. You know, you know speaking of connection and disconnection. So gossip, prajalpa means we are talking, but we are not connecting with Krishna. The talk ourselves. So the way to connect everything with Krishna will be you Karikata. Know, it's talking with Krishna in the center. You follow. So it's not that we have to avoid talking. We have to avoid talking disconnected from Krishna. And the healthy way is talking in connection to Krishna. So in that sense, my point is we don't need to reject talking. We don't need to reject anything. We only need to reject the wrong way. Of doing everything, and we have to know how to do everything in the proper way. That's what Rupa Goswami called yukta vairagya, visayam nirbanda Krishna sambandhi yuktam He says proper renunciation means not to reject anything, but to do everything in connection to Krishna. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that's our challenge, how to connect everything in connection to Krishna.
2: Sometimes it happens, like we are uh, in the, this material world. Of mm-hmm. course, it has to be considered spiritual as well, but uh, we are not at that level. Like we work, go for work and mm-hmm. then we meet different types of peoples. And then sometimes mm-hmm. uh, they do something wrong or we feel it gets into our mind. Basically, mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if we chant also, okay, why did that happen? Like, all these things goes on like so what uh personally i feel like okay i should limit the interaction with that person mm-hmm. and then i should go with mm-hmm. what i'm doing so mm-hmm. it can free from me from getting into more thoughts of the other person yeah like so but in that case i have to a little bit
0: yeah but, <laughs> but 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 i will say also as you mentioned in the beginning we are not in that level which is perfect it's okay we cannot just try to force ourselves i have to be like Nityananda Prabhu and go to the bars and the brothels and convert everyone. Probably not. I will end up being converted and drinking some wine or something. So we don't have to imitate, no? We have to, the scriptures say, one thing is Anukaran and another thing is Anusharan. So Anukaran means imitation. Anusharan means follow the essence, follow the footsteps. So that requires sincerity and introspection, where I am, how much I can do that. So, In that situation you are mentioning for example yes it's okay that you understand okay in this particular environment i become affected but the point is because i'm not i mean not to make it like a guilt trip (laughs) but i take responsibility i'm not advanced enough and that's why i'm getting disturbed no i'm not blaming the other ones because it's easy to say all, all these demons and all these people they are so degraded that that poor me and being affected by them and it's no I don't have enough I'm not able yet to see Krishna and everything because if I will have the vision that wouldn't disturb me I may be overflowing with compassion by seeing their conditioning but I'm maybe not in that moment it's okay you no know, we can also be generous with ourselves and something <laughs> But in principle, we have to know take responsibility and know in potential I could be I could have such a vision that I could remain with these people and I can increase my love and compassion for them. I'm not ready yet and that's why I need to take a distance. It's not their fault. I don't have the capacity to not be disturbed by them. So so you are taking a distance but not rejecting them it's not about rejecting. Although externally it may sound, reject a satsanga. And it sounds like they are the bad guys, no? Be protected from the bad guys. But actually, if you understand properly, it's about no take responsibility that you don't have the capacity of remaining compassionate and loving and transcendental in that situation. (laughs) So you take some distance to go deeper, to grow. And hopefully in time you can get closer to them without being disturbed. (laughs) So for me that will be a more again responsible situation because if not we play victim consciousness and we end up like blaming everyone and we are victims of the world basically, you know? and that's not so healthy. Karaneshware?
1: Yeah, two things um both to do with the world. Um so the first thing when you're talking about this sort of more negative attitude that we just gotta get out of here and that's more like mooksing. So Would you say then that this understanding that we got somehow in Krishna consciousness that it was meant to just be a motivation to get more serious, but somehow it's become a negative idea rather than just a motivation. You know, like I think it was presented like that to us that just get out of here, it's horrible, it's a place of suffering, it's a place of death, it's Mm -hmm. you know, just get out of here, finish up your business and get out it's Mm. very much presented like that that's meant to motivate us to get serious but that you know you can get serious without having to keep everything yeah
0: yeah i get the point okay should i respond to that one yeah Yeah, yesterday yesterday somehow the topic came because Mm -hmm. someone uh, mentioned me something that i didn't know that one the Prabhupada saying regarding to this world as being like a like a toilet or something oh, yes. <laughs> and, and do your business and, and just <laughs> no leave as soon as possible. And I was like, wow, I never heard that one. That was intense. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that also uh, he said a few other things as, as well. No. I want to see find one quote that I share here. Of course, I may take some time from my book, well, uh, one second. Well, it's not happening, no problem. Um, Where Prabhupada himself is telling about how all this material world is sacred and transcendental. <laughs> so you have to put all those statements in the scale because something that usually happens in this type of discussions is that people bring their own favorite quotes, so to say. No? So Prabhupada say this, my Gurudev said that. You say, yeah, but he also say this. Yeah, and you realize, well, yes, but I'm cherry-picking. I want to pick the ones that better fit into my own agenda. Mm-hmm. And Rupa Goswami says in Lago Bhagavatamrita, when you find two contradictory statements or apparently contradictory statements in the scripture, you cannot take one and reject the other. You have to take all and reconcile them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, That's what the Vedanta Sutra say. Tattu samam, tat samambaya. Mm-hmm. The script Shastra is the womb from which revelation knowledge comes about the absolute but you have to understand Shastra in a reconcile yeah reconcile whatever is in Shastra so I usually give the example for example Krishna says in the Gita <clears throat> um, I bring in Purva Paksha to my own statements <laughs> this material world is miserable and temporary. So you're like, okay, that seems to contradict everything Maharaja has said so far. <laughs> but then you have other statements in Shastra, like, I don't know, said, The whole universe is an abode of joy. So you have like, okay, so, no, miserable, temporary, an abode of joy. <laughs> They don't seem to fit with one another. (laughs) So then when when we have to understand that that Shastra, not only Shastra, but different teachers will address the audience according to to their adhikar, to the place they're in, and they will speak in different ways. They will use different approaches, different emphases, because not everyone is on the same level. Let's be realistic. It's not that everyone is in the same level. Not everyone understands the same language, the same examples um, so in some cases, just will say, this is bad, get out of here. But actually, that's not the final teaching. It's just to prevent in the immediate people who is too, how to say, too blind in how to approach Some I gave the example yesterday. It's like a if, if, if a child, an naughty child, <laughs> wants to put the finger into the plug, and the, finger, the plug is even a little broken and the child just comes from the pool, his whole finger with water. That will be the end of the child, basically. Mm-hmm. But he wants to taste the rasa of being short-circuited. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Electrocution rasa, something like that. He wants to taste that. I mean, child are exploring everything. You have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So the mother who sees that and says he will kill himself. That He doesn't know the consequences of this. <clears throat> so she said, Don't put the finger down. Mm-hmm. You will get electrocuted. He doesn't even know what's electrocuted. So he still mm-hmm. prevail. But she'll say, That plug is bad. Mm-hmm. There's a monster there. Mm-hmm. No, it will kill you, it will eat you. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's help for the child's lane <laughs> shock treatment on the child's leg. Mm-hmm. And then the mother will explain to him actually what's going on. Mm-hmm. So somehow, like something like that. So sometimes Shastra will use words like, boom, this is terrible, this is bad, don't do that. But if you have a little bit more of maturity, there is a more comprehensive explanation. So because of that, sometimes scriptures or Acharyas, like you mentioned, will give certain lesson, but preparing the ground of preventing from something, so eventually we'll be more prepared to receive another types of lessons. I mean, you can find that throughout... The Vedas are all history. The second part of my first book is basically all about that. You know, how many how many examples we find of that in Shastra? Yes. We are giving one teaching because we don't have the capacity to process the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And eventually you will have the more... Mm-hmm. Like Krishna begins in the, the... To give you an example, how the, the Gita begins, Krishna is telling Arjuna, follow your Dharma. Chapter two, third, three of the Gita. How how does the Gita conclude? Give up all Dharma. So you say, like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Well, what's going on? There are 600 verses in between. (laughs) So you understand in context what's going on. So there is a place for saying, follow your Dharma. And there is a place for saying, reject all that. Mm -hmm. Something happened in between, a few 600 verses. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if you take something out of context... That's That can even become dangerous. As I say in my book, a text, to make a play of words, a text out of context becomes a pretext. <laughs> and we can end up justifying anything on the basis of Scripture. I mean, the worst crimes in history are backed by Shastra, so to say. You know, by people saying, God says this one, Scripture says this, that. So better we know how to deal with the revelation and absolute concepts and absolute conclusions because if not you will invoke god to justify just anything (laughs) so we need to be first educated before i was recently seeing a video from richard Rohr, and he was saying how before putting he's a franciscan monk but he will say before putting a bible in the hand of anyone first you have to educate them On philosophy, morality, they have to be ground as human beings, because if not you are probably creating a serial killer or something because they will take these books of absolute knowledge and if they are not mature enough, they will just make all that fit their own agenda and justify the unjustifiable so that's an important part of Shastric approach and understanding, (laughs) not just okay, read the whole Bhagat and let's see what happens after (laughs) yeah oh here Bhaktarasi is sharing the quote I was looking from Silla Prabhupada says everything is an emanation from the supreme spirit and by his inconceivable power he can convert spirit into matter and matter into spirit therefore a so-called material thing is at once turned into a spiritual force by the great will of the Lord the necessary condition for such a change is to employ so-called matter in the service of the Spirit. When, well, yeah, but when everything is thus employed in the service of the Lord, we can experience that there is nothing except the Supreme Brahman. That's our own realization of that Tatwamasi. That, everything is Brahman, not impersonally, but everything is an emanation from the Supreme. Everything is in connection to Him. Okay, something else before concluding.
1: something. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, there was a second, I forgot. Yeah, Sorry. I didn't want to it's f- not really related to that, we were discussing last week. I <laughs> understand this um idea that you're getting sometimes that.
0: Spiritual world is not this geographical location; it's a state of consciousness. And- I mean, it's also a geographical location. I, I made the point: it's not as, as we tend to, because we we have our experience of geography. Right. So it's not only that. Okay. That that was my main point.
1: Cool. Hmm. Geographical and the state of
0: consciousness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's a geographical location made of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to sound too abstract, but that's a spir- spiritual world. No? You can say spiritual world means geographical location. Spiritual means made of consciousness. No? So will speak about planets of faith. No, it may sound difficult. No? How to you think of a planet made of faith? <laughs>
2: Even using this word
0: planet. Yeah, yeah, there are words. No? So we are trying to use them as better as we can. But ultimately, we have to go to the experience of all that. Because also we can get so entangled in the words and how we understand. And we have to be careful about which words we use as better as we can. But at the end of the day, all those words and descriptions are meant to like, to inspire a practice that will take us to experience. And when you have the experience, then you understand what we are talking about. Mm-hmm. Because if there is no experience, like, still like planets, phase, geography, 3D, spiritual world we witness having that experience, like, okay. And in one sense, you, we cannot put it into words fully. We, like the Vedanta Sutra will say, Ik shate which means in relation to the absolute, we cannot say anything. But we, we try. We say as much as we can, but still. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's good that we try to think about those things Till our faculties collapse. No? (laughs) No, Because you try to think about the planet made of faith. In in a few minutes, you will see smoke coming from here. (laughs) So that means you are trying to use all your faculties to their limits, and those same faculties are showing you their limits. So you realize to go beyond this, I need another method. No, I, I cannot go through my head. But I have to use my head as much as I can. I don't have to be lazy. In thinking using my intellectual rational faculties but i have to use them to the point that they show to me their own limits so then i can adopt a transrational method to go beyond that so which is revelation is practice yes yeah. so that was a question i or just interrupted the beginning no, of the question okay okay okay, Thank you. Thank you.
1: okay. uh street <sighs> order is going to uh Arrange RT tray for Gorarti and Rana Krishna RT. Uh, it's quite customary at the end of Marge's uh, programs. We'll all take a group
0: photo. If you're all okay, we'll have one. Okay. Chiman Mahapruki Jai Hari Nam Pravukhi Jai Gor Praman Hari Hari Vow Jai Van Shakal hindu Chagpasidu Veevacha Patita Nam Pava Neepyu Vaishnaviye Namon Anantakoti Vaishnava Brindaki.